0: This ranger gave us a few tips about going to the bathroom up on the glacier. She told us that there is a toilet up there.
1: She said, and oh, by the way, the view from the toilet is it's the best view of any toilet in the world.
0: This is the Dear Bob and Sue podcast. Stories of adventures and misadventures in the U.S. national parks and public lands. I'm Karen Smith.
1: And I'm Matt Smith. We're the authors of the Dear Bob and Sue series of books. So Karen, this is a big week. Not only is it our second episode, we're also putting out two episodes this week.
0: It's definitely a big week. Episode three comes out on Thursday. If you've already listened to episode one, you'll know that we like to break each episode into three sections. We get started with a warm up and then move on to our main topic. Today our main topic is about our backpacking adventure to Sahali Glacier in North Cascades National Park. And at the end of the show, we finish up with our mailbag segment where we answer questions from listeners of the show and readers of our books.
1: And we probably should say, there might be a swear word or two in this episode, so you've been warned. Before we talk about our backpacking trip to Sahali Glacier, we start off this episode discussing whether or not it's a good idea for us to read the reviews of our books. You know what I really like about being an author?
0: Well, what's?
1: Is reading reviews.
0: You're not supposed to read them.
1: I know I'm not supposed to. But we have, <laughs> I
0: stopped a long time we ago. Have
1: some people who hate us. They actually use the word hate. I know, which is. Why
0: why do they do that? I don't know. It's really crazy because like, okay, you could hate our book. Got it. But hating us, like it just is so, some people are so extreme. Well, for a few
1: years, they hated me for a long time. And then finally, after like five years, I was, I was so happy. (laughs) People should not take this the wrong way. But finally, there was a review where they hated you.
0: Yes, there was. And I remember because I read it to you from the car. It was actually on Goodreads. And then you laughed so hard, I thought you were going to drive us off the side of the road. But basically, the person who left the review said, I really hate this couple, but especially the wife. And when I went on to read it, the reason she hated me is because we had wrote in a particular email that I didn't like to pee in the wilderness, and yeah. so that's why she hated me.
1: Well, I'm, and I'm here to say that you do pee in the wilderness. All
0: you, the time. You do now. and
1: and you seem to like it.
0: Well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we've changed a lot. We have changed a lot. When I used to read the reviews, you know, some of the criticisms are valid. And some people say, "Oh, they just rushed through the parks quickly and they didn't see all the wonderful things." And Which you know true. what? That's 100% true. It's
1: valid criticism? I I would give the same criticism. We yeah. we, were, we went too fast, but the other thing is though when we went to all the parks the first time we didn't have a lot of time we had uh, we knew we were going to go back to work so some parks we were there one day two days and we knew at the time we were going too fast but we wanted to we wanted to see them all and and since we've we've gone back to a lot of them
0: right and then there's also it wasn't just the time but it's the expense i mean some of those places especially in alaska i mean you're paying hundreds and hundreds of dollars every single night for lodging. And, you know, I mean, we we did the best we could at the time. And yes, we absolutely didn't spend enough time in every park. Well, you know, we agree with that 100%. Yeah, <laughs> I think, though, the reason that you said earlier that most of the people hated you is because some people who read it misinterpreted are joking back and forth to you being mean to me. Uh, They they didn't get the sarcasm and I right. They they have
1: no idea how mean you are to me. It's actually actually a response
0: to the meanness that I live with every day. It's just
1: my my feeble attempt.
0: No, but there was a lot of uh,
1: self respect.
0: A lot of sarcasm and back and forth, and it was all done in love. But I guess, I don't know, maybe these people weren't married, and like they don't understand how how a couple who's been married for 30 years joke around. I don't know, but Matt got a lot of his abusive remarks, which is like crazy. So I don't know. It's tough. It's tough to read them. I stopped reading them about a year ago because it's just, I don't know, I, I thought a lot of them were just hurtful.
1: I like the ones that are just one-word reviews. Let's that, just say, boring. <laughs>
0: yeah. Hey, but you know what? That's okay. That's like, it's that's not a-
1: for every. It's yeah. not for everyone. I, I don't take that personal anymore because the bottom line is: people who enjoy the outdoors and have been to a lot of the national parks and, and want to go to others, they enjoy reading the details about a park. And if you don't enjoy that, I can see how it would be boring. There's a lot of hobbies and interests that I don't have. If somebody explained to me in detail about how to do a thing I'm not interested in, I, I would think it was boring. So that's, that's fine. It's, it's not for everyone. We did reach over a thousand reviews on Dear Bob and Sue and the average is 4.4. 4. Now 4.4 4 stars on Amazon. Now that's, I, I don't know if that's the way you should judge whether or not the, the book is, is effective or not, but.
0: Well, I'm, I'm pretty happy with 4.4 4 stars on Amazon, but um, to go back for a second one thing that some people said was with no explanation in their review they said that we were disrespectful to the parks so i just want to address that for a minute because that is my fault <laughs> i will take right, the disrespectful to the park so there were i think two incidences down <laughs> that, that people are referring to and one is we were in carlsbad caverns and we were in the cave and so there was this one part where the walls were white and really really shiny and i couldn't tell if they were wet or it was like polished stone and i really wanted to find out so i touched the wall with my fingertip which you're not supposed to and the signs say don't touch the walls so i touched it i did it matt said he was going to um call gonna tell the Ranger. yeah he was going to call the authorities on me i felt bad about it we wrote all that and people said you know disrespectful yeah. Guilty. Yes, that was wrong. And we wrote that it was wrong. So you can do it, but
1: and, no one else can do it.
0: <laughs> by the way, we did go back to Carlsbad Caverns again and had a tour with the ranger. And I did apologize. And the ranger assured me that um, it was going to be okay. I hadn't you I hadn't ruined the cave system. I was forgiven. Good. The other incident was in Katmai... And we had just finished dinner and I poured some wine in my I had a cup with a lid on it. I poured some wine and I said to Matt, let's go for a walk. And he said, Well, you can't take your wine with you because you're not supposed to take food or beverages outside of your cabin. And I said, Oh, the bears aren't interested in my Sauvignon Blanc.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You almost got us killed.
0: I know. So I talked Matt into it. Again, that was breaking the rule. We went for a walk and we hadn't gone more than 10 steps when the law enforcement park ranger appeared and she said, ma'am, what's in your cup? Is that water? I said, no, it's not water. And she said, get back in your cabin.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, so
0: I was busted. So
1: you are disrespectful. Now that that I hear about it, I'm going to leave a negative review (laughs) on our book. I'm going to give it a one star.
0: You know what? That was a long time ago. And I learned, I learned my lessons and those things were wrong. And we wrote that they were wrong. So, you know, I feel like I've grown as a person. Have yeah,
1: you? Yeah. Uh, I'm glad you're. I'm glad you're getting this out so everyone <laughs> who thinks that I'm abusive to you, this is just a. This is just a taste of what I deal with every day. <laughs> Maybe it explains my behavior a little bit better. Yeah. Okay.
0: Anyway, to all of you who have written the really nice reviews that are on Amazon, we really appreciate it, and it does mean a lot to us. Matt reads them, even if I, I read, don't. I read them. Yeah, he reads yeah. every single one of them.
1: Yes, thank you.
0: When we went on our original journey to all the 59 national parks, we never camped, not one single time. We stayed in hotels and we stayed in park lodges, but um, we didn't do any camping at all.
1: It's a little surprising that we made it through, well, that original trip was 59 national parks, took a couple years, and no camping of any kind.
0: I know because 'cause we, we're soft. Right. We're soft and we're lame and well and quite frankly, we didn't really know how to camp and we didn't have any of the camping gear, which is kind well, of important of us to have. have well, you, you you camped a couple times with right. our son. And but. you would
1: show up in the mm-hmm. morning with makeup on and Starbucks coffee, mm-hmm. which is good. Right, right.
0: <laughs> not exactly
1: what you do when you camp, but
0: Right. So those of you who've read our first book, Dear Bob and Sue, know that we never camped. However, we branched out after that and we decided we should give it a try. So our first experience in camping was to what I call car camp. I don't know if that's the exact term or not. But um, it's basically when you drive up in your car with all of your stuff and you get out and you your tent is set up right next to your car or your truck or your vehicle.
1: So we truck camped a couple times and threw everything we owned in into the truck.
0: Right, right. Which and, is
1: also not exactly camping because you put like a blanket or you put a, a, a rug for the tent.
0: Well, I know, but it's a good way to break into it because it was pretty comfortable. We brought, you know, big thick blankets and like down pillows and I had my slippers and Uh, yeah, it was, and we had cots, so it was actually really comfortable and really cozy and, you know, he kind of eased me into it a little bit and I actually really liked it. But then for some crazy reason, we decided to branch out into backpacking, which means you have to carry everything on your back and hike for many, many miles into the wilderness and set up your little tent in the middle of nowhere.
1: Well, one of us carries the tent. (laughs)
0: Yeah, you always have you always have to carry stuff, extra stuff. But uh, so today we're going to talk about one of these backpacking trips that we did to Sahali Glacier in North Cascades National Park, and we wrote about this in our book, Dear Bob and Sue, Season Three.
1: We did this particular hike and backpacking trip because our friend John, our, our friends John and Lolly, John had hiked to Sahali Glacier about 10 years prior with his brother-in-law and had told us stories about how wonderful it was up there and how beautiful and endless stories about how the mountain goats would come close to the camp. And so I think we figured the only way the stories would end about the mountain goats is if we actually did the trip with John and experienced it firsthand. And then we could see what, what it was like up there ourselves.
0: Right. So this was our third backpacking attempt. And I got to say, you know, it's it's not backpacking isn't easy. Uh, And this particular one um, almost killed us, which is why we're talking about it today. It was pretty extreme. So North Cascades National Park is about three hours north of Seattle.
1: Yeah. Northeast. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: And the place we went, Sahali Glacier Camp, They have instigated a permit system because it's so popular and also it's fragile. So they limit it to 36 permits per day. So that's 36 campers. Uh, 60% of those are available in advance. They have an online lottery system, and then they hold 40% back for walk-ins.
1: So we we had tried in a previous summer to get some walk-in permits to this particular campsite Uh, We weren't able to get them, plus that particular summer there were forest fires in the area, so there's very thick smoke and, and heat, so it was probably just as well that we didn't. But this year we were fortunate enough to get online reservations. So we had the reservation.
0: Mm -hmm. I think it helps because we put in, when we filled out the application, we put in for midweek as opposed to weekend. So I think that might be one of the reasons we won the lottery. But anyway, our plan, the the campgrounds that we put in for, we put in for three nights. One was for Sahali Glacier. uh, The second night was for Basin Creek. And the third night was for Pelton Basin Camp.
1: All of these campsites are fairly close to each other within a few miles. So once we get, get up into that region, we didn't uh, have to hike too far between the, the campsites.
0: Yes. Yeah, so Sahali so Glacier is on the southwest part of the park. And you have to take Highway 20. There's a little town of Marble Mount and then you head sort of east and a little bit south on Cascade River Road which is a gravel road for about 27 miles till you get to the trailhead and it's only op- this this road is only open in the summer it closes for the winter once the snow starts falling and it's not cleared of debris until around the 1st of July
1: yeah so they have to clear the snow but also rocks and trees mm-hmm. and things fall during the winter so it's not just plowing the snow. But it usually takes, every year is different, but usually it takes them until mid-summer. This, this particular year took until late July.
0: Well, yeah, because about a week before our trip, we started looking online and we found out that they hadn't finished clearing the road yet. It was still closed about three miles away from the trailhead. So they told us we could still go, but we'd have to hike that additional three miles each way. So we, so that was kind of a huge bummer because in addition to an already long backpacking trek, we would be adding another six miles round trip.
1: Right. So as it was from the trailhead, Sahali Glacier was about a six mile hike up. So this mm-hmm. would have added three, three miles, make it a nine mile, pretty steep hike up there. And we weren't going to cancel just because the road was closed. We oh, were no. going to we had planned this way too long and right w- whether it was foolish or not we decided we were just going to if we had to park 3 miles before the trailhead and just hike the road up up there we were going to do that so
0: yeah we were so the other thing we were worried about was john's hip <laughs> because John had a bad hip. He was scheduled to have a hip replacement in September. And his attitude was he was just going to wear his hip out um, as much as he could until he had had it replaced. Uh, but we were worried about how he'd be able to hike up 4000 feet with a heavy pack on his back. And I think Matt was thinking he'd have to, might have to carry him part of the way. Yeah, He
1: was a real trooper, though. I mean, he never complained. And Never hesitated about going on the trip, so we yeah. figured as long as he had a good attitude about it, then we weren't going to worry too much.
0: Right, right. Now he was he was adamant about going.
1: So the morning we left, we left early that Monday morning. John and Lolly drove their own truck; we drove separately, and we met there at the Marble Mount Ranger Station on that that first day to pick up our permits. And uh, that's when we found out that morning that. They actually cleared that last three miles that morning. I know. And the road was open.
0: Gosh, that was such great news. So we did not have to schlep the extra three miles along that road.
1: Yeah, that was definitely a bonus. And then... A huge bonus. We also were able to talk to the ranger there at the ranger station in Marblemount uh, for a while. The young woman who was the ranger on duty there had been up to this campsite, I think the day before, and mm-hmm. she told us a little bit about the trail. The trail was fairly clear of obstacles, except there was one area that had a snow bridge across a creek. And that snow bridge was, it was finally late enough in the summer where it was melting to the point where it was pretty treacherous to cross over this, this particular Creek partway up, up the hike. And uh, she, she told us to be careful of that.
0: Um, and then she,
1: she told us about the the goats. Of course, there's mountain goats. And she said, yeah, there's those goats can be kind of aggressive up there, but if they get too close, you can just shoo them away.
0: Yeah, so that was a little concerning because we have a pretty healthy respect for wildlife, especially uh, mountain goats. Years ago in Olympic National Park, a hiker was hiking along Hurricane Ridge with with his family and a mountain goat was blocking the trail and he went to shoo the mountain goat away and the mountain goat gored him in the thigh and uh, this hiker died with the mountain goat standing over him so you know it's 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 nothing to mess around with
1: no they can be aggressive mm-hmm. but there are it's also pretty cool to be up Close to mountain goats, they're beautiful animals. So they are. If uh, you be if you're careful, mm-hmm. it's it's a it's a special treat to see them in the wild.
0: Mm-hmm. And she also, this ranger gave us a few tips about going to the bathroom up on the glacier. She told us that there is a toilet up there, but it's only for number two, and so. You're just supposed to pee. Supposed
1: to urinate anywhere. Yes, uh, but away, not on the away, toilet. <laughs> yeah, away from, except the toilet. Right. Pee right. anywhere you want, except the toilet. Uh, right. What else did I, she say I, about w- the well, toilet? Well, you she... do. You, you know, you don't go close to the campsites, of course. But yeah. Uh, oh, she said that the uh, she said, and oh, by the way, the view from the toilet is it's the best view of any toilet in the world. <laughs> right. <laughs> she, she was. She was not sure how she could uh, verify that claim, but she said no one's ever uh, said that she's wrong. So we had that to look forward to.
0: We did, for sure. So we had our permits and we drove the 27 or so miles to the trailhead. And I have to say, just getting out of the truck and looking at the scenery at that point was spectacular. If we had hiked zero distance, it was incredible remember that How- yeah, it's
1: beautiful in the parking lot at the trailhead the mountains rise nearly vertically right from the the parking lot and we could hear this rumbling we would look around and there were glaciers hanging from the different parts of the mountains and every now and then we would see the parts of the glacier calving off and crumbling down the mountain and of course you know five ten seconds later we would hear hear the rumble. It was just spectacular, incredible waterfalls coming off.
0: I know the mountains. It um, was it yeah. was absolutely it was stunning, spectacular sight. Mm-hmm. So we hoisted our packs and we started up. Most of the way, the first stop is Cascade Pass, and it's about three point seven miles to get up to Cascade Pass. And a lot of folks do that as a day hike. So we there were a lot of switchbacks to get up there. Pretty much, the and whole, that's not
1: an easy hike. Just no, it was part. steep. Yeah, and, it's steep, and mm-hmm. the, the packs. We were feeling it. Mm-hmm. I, we we got up there in in pretty good shape. Even John, mm-hmm. he, we were going a little bit slower than normal, but and mm-hmm. and stopped a few times along the way. But um, yeah, we got up to Cascade Pass in, in pretty good shape and incredible view up oh there. Oh my gosh! Postcard it's like it was view. like Sound of Music sound when of music, you get up yeah.
0: there, and they have these uh, sort of large boulders that people can sit on. So we took our packs off, we had a snack, and we rested.
1: happy price, price line. Yeah, and we knew starting out that the whole hike was about six miles
0: mm-hmm. and 4,000 feet elevation gain. Right.
1: And so we're at Cascade Pass, almost four miles into it. So we're thinking, okay, we have a couple miles left.
0: Yeah, which is really nothing. It's, if You said you, you have much, two miles left. Right. And we already yeah. come up
1: quite a bit of elevation. So we were thinking that uh, the last couple miles wouldn't be that tough. And, and, for the first 10 15 minutes it wasn't we came pretty soon after that we came to the snow bridge and it was it was just melted enough that if we tried to cross it we probably would have fallen in the creek and died so it didn't look all that treacherous but we had to we had to make a decision we had to either hike down the hill about 50 or 100 feet, or up the hill 50 or 100 feet to get to a spot where we could cross the creek and then hike back to the trail. And it didn't look that difficult, but we almost died doing it.
0: Oh my God. Well, yeah. So we're on the slope of a mountain that this creek is running down. So as Matt said, we either had to hike up the mountain and try to find a place to cross or down. And it's pretty steep. And we have these heavy packs on and it's thick with these bushes that we had to push our way through and we had to hang on to them because it was
1: slippery it was soggy,
0: it was soggy and yeah. slippery and we i was clinging onto them to keep from falling down the mountain i mean it was really really difficult with Bro, those took packs us half on. an hour
1: to do just, oh my god and then just we the get, tiny we little... just we climb back up to the trail and then look back and we had <laughs> it's like a hundred feet that we had come and uh, it took a half an hour and we were exhausted oh so. my
0: god i was sweating like a pig
1: yeah yeah, so that that was a little bit of a trick. and uh, but then we continued on soon after that, it started getting a lot steeper. Uh, it it turned basically into like stairs yeah. they were they were like mm-hmm. marble rock stairs that mm-hmm. we were going up and
0: switchbacks of stairs up, up, up. And at that point where those stairs were, there were no trees, we were in full sun, which and you know, now it's like one o'clock in the afternoon, so it was hot and sunny and we started dragging.
1: <laughs> yeah, and then at, at that point, John was uh, feeling his hip quite a bit, and he was falling behind a little bit. But we could still see him, and we could even like he was close enough that we could yell to him. And so, Lolly stayed with him, went slower, and we finally got to the this the top of of the steep area where it leveled off, and John and Lolly were they were maybe 100 yards, 200 yards behind us. And at that point, I thought, well, we must be like a mile away. Mm -hmm. And the trail had flattened out. So I was thinking, well, this is going to be an easy mile hike. We'll go. The plan was we'll just go put our packs down and come back. And if John needs help with his pack, I could could take it for him. And so we just yelled down, hey, we'll go on Mm -hmm. and uh, we'll meet you at the campsite.
0: Yeah, and I think I think they were happy. I think John was happy to have us go on. You know, you don't want to you don't want to be the person in the group that slows everyone down. So uh Matt and I started hiking a little faster. And at that point, we had to cross two different snow fields. And I swear after that, every time we rounded a corner, we were sure that Sahali Glacier Camp was gonna be right there. We thought it's got to be right here someplace. Right.
1: Well, we went through like a time warp because I swear yeah. we hiked for like an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. And a mile shouldn't take you more than, you know, even going slow, a mile's like 30 minutes at the most. And we just kept hiking, kept hiking, and we weren't, we had no clue where we were at. We were, we knew we were on the trail. We kept passing people. And, uh,
0: well, people were, people were coming down.
1: Right. There was some people had gone up earlier in the day. Hiked all the way up to the the campsite and were coming down. They just did it as a day hike. Of right. course, if you don't have a pack on and you just just carrying water, yeah, uh, you you can travel a lot faster. So we met a few groups coming back, and and finally, one of the groups coming down, we asked them, you "Where know, the hell are, are we? <laughs> are we even close to the campsite?" and and they gave us this look like you you were, no, you're not even close. Mm-hmm. And so there was a look of pity in their eyes. But uh, be, that first group, before they le- went on, we said, okay, uh, just can you do us a favor? We, had, we were hiking with some other friends and we described John and Lolly and we said, could you please tell them that we will put our packs down at the campsite and then come back and help John with his pack. So if uh-huh. they feel like they need to just stop and Rest and wait for us. That's that's fine. And so,
0: so we hiked for about another twenty minutes till we're we're now in this alpine section above the tree line. Uh, this this ridge line that we'd hiked along is called Sahali Arm, and it's kind of this narrow band of land. Um, and basically, we hiked to we got to the base of this mountain. And we took off our packs and we sat on a big rock as we were exhausted and tired, and we still didn't see any signs for camp and we didn't know where we were. And as we sat there resting, looking around, we could see this couple making their way down the mountain on the snowshoot. They had on crampons and some ice axes, and we watched them as they made their way down. And when they got to us, we started talking to them and we said, you know, we're trying to find Sahali Glacier camp. Do you have any idea where it is? And they said, yeah, we just came from there. And the guy points and he says, it's up on the mountain.
1: Yeah. He points about half a mile up and it was just straight vertically straight up.
0: And and with lots of snow. Yeah. We were stunned. (laughs) We were were
1: dumbfounded. We were Uh, even contemplated like we're not going to go up there and we're just going to camp here on this, this rock. But,
0: and the other we, thing too is we are out of water.
1: We were out of water, but before they left, we we told them again, said if you see our friends, please tell them that you know if they have to stop and put their packs down, that we'll we'll come back and get them or help them later. And so we start up this mountain, and we originally thought we were just going to go up the snowfield, but then when we kind of got over there, we realized that that snowfield came down the mountain and at the bottom it just like fell off the cliff and had there was about a 300 foot drop into a lake so if you were to gonna if you were gonna slide on that snowfield, you would end up like going off the cliff so we didn't have climbing boots we didn't have ice axes so we had to stay on the boulders in the scree which was
0: <laughs> Yeah, which was tough and there's no real trail. I mean, it's just as Matt said, it's boulders and scree. So we we kind of knew the direction we were heading, we still couldn't really see the camp. So we were basically crawling and over foot on these boulders with our big backpacks like pulling us sideways and I I was I was out not ready to cry. I was like 2 seconds from Bursting into tears. It was so hard.
1: We were about halfway up that last vertical area, and then we saw another person come down. And this guy he was he was walking briskly. I think he may have even been whistling. He was oh, yeah, having he was just like a great day and, and having no trouble. Looked like he had uh, no probably no trouble getting up there and no trouble coming down. And so he stopped and we were desperate. He he stopped uh and, and talked to us and we said we're not sure that like we can make it up there, and he and he was very encouraging and very positive. You can do it, you can, you just rest and be mm-hmm. careful, and and you can do it. And then he said, "But it's treacherous."
0: Yeah, like <laughs> so we were but like, you, but you also can no die. No shit, it's yeah. treacherous. We we felt like we were going to fall off the side of this mountain at any time. So before he, this German guy walked away, Matt said to him, "Hey." <laughs> On your way down, you're going to run into our friends, John and Lolly. John has a bad hip and is moving really slowly. Now, we've told two other couples to tell him that we're going to drop our packs and come back and help him. But we're not.
1: No, we <laughs> we were sure that if we made it up to camp, there is no way oh, we would have the energy to come climb back not. down the mountain and, yeah. and help John and then right. help him carry back back up so we wanted to make sure that they weren't just sitting waiting somewhere some yeah. waiting for us
0: so so he said tell john we're not coming back and the guys like okay and he waved and off he went
1: but we made it we picked our way up many more times we didn't think we were going to make it in finally we get up to the scree field that that had leveled off and that's when we we saw the toilet off yeah, to the, the side and so we knew
0: mm. we and there were was there. At some point, there was a sign, too, that said, yeah. welcome to Salt Lake Glacier Camp once you get up there.
1: And the campsites were cool. Just, oh, my the gosh. The coolest mm-hmm. little campsites I've ever seen is
0: mm-hmm.
1: they're rock circles about anywhere from two to four feet high.
0: Of, yeah, stacked stone. Stacked right.
1: stone that pretty much to, to break the wind. And mm-hmm. uh, we found one that had two circles kind of connected that were just big enough to put a two-person tent with a little bit of uh, walking room around them. So we just put our packs down and leaned against the rocks to catch our breath and we had no idea what to do next cuz like we didn't know where John and Lolly were as hard as it was for us to get up we thought that maybe they wouldn't be able to make it either so
0: well yeah we we kind of thought two things we thought either they turned around and went back to the truck or they decided to camp right wherever they had stopped which is against park rules you're only supposed to camp in a in the campgrounds but you know if you're desperate and you you can't go any further I, i'm sure they would make an exception but so we figured one of one of those two scenarios had happened
1: yeah so after we rest a little bit we filtered water filled up all of our water bottles then we went back down to right where the trail comes up and it starts to level off right right at the top of the trail to just sit there and see if we could see him. And pretty soon after that, we see some hikers come and Karen thought it was John and Lolly, but I pointed out to her that it was, there were three hikers instead Mm -hmm. of two. Mm -hmm. And that was pretty funny. The, it was one woman and two men and the woman was, uh, in the lead and she, you know, it's a, she was putting one foot in front of the next and having a hard time getting up to the top of the the trail and she could see us and she kept trotting along and finally she gets to the top of the trail and i remember she looks down she stops the stopwatch on her wrist and she looks right at us and says your friends are coming
0: i know <laughs> <laughs> so
1: she knew who we were
0: she did yeah
1: so that was that was great to know that
0: <sighs> it john, was. john and
1: lolly were going to make it
0: and it was about that point where we could see them down below the scree field. So Matt went down there. I stayed up because I, I couldn't move my legs and, and Matt hiked back down the boulder field and uh, he did take John's pack. Yeah. And, John wasn't
1: going to give it to me, but
0: yeah. But um, yeah. so, so they made it up.
1: Yeah. So we, we set up camp, it took us forever to finally get our camp set up and we were having dinner. We were, we were talking about the day of, John and Lolly told us that they had met the other hikers that we had talked to the the people we told mm-hmm. and I was I felt bad because i I was apologizing that I didn't come back and first of all, we should have never separated that was a that was a mistake to begin with, but I felt that bad that I wasn't able to come back and help more and Lolly laughed. she goes yeah the the first set of hikers said, yeah, Matt's gonna come back and and take John's back and we just laughed because we knew. That you weren't going to come back, and then the second hikers came back and said, Yeah, Matt's going to come back and take your pack. And we laughed again. And then the third, the third guy, the German guy that we met, he started talking, and we said, Yeah, 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 we know Matt's going to come back and take help me with my pack. And he said, No, he's not. <laughs> he was very stirred,
0: he is not coming back, <laughs> he's
1: not coming back to help you. So they yeah. they knew they had to make it up on their.
0: They own. got all the messages that we were sending down from the mountain, but uh, yeah. So it was about that point as we started making dinner that the goat show started.
1: Well, as soon as you pee,
0: mm-hmm. the goats
1: show up because yeah. they crave the salt and minerals that the in your urine, and and they they did come pretty close to the campsite. Oh they,
0: yeah,
1: I mean several times they came within maybe ten feet. But they never made any aggressive moves. And they, no.
0: And uh, it's funny because they weren't interested at all in our food. I mean, no. it, like Matt said, they they were interested in, in the pee, but gosh, we took a million pictures and we were videotaping the goats. They were, you know, frolicking and it, and it was such a beautiful evening. I mean, it was it was the most amazing experience.
1: Yeah, it was spectacular. We, you know, being July, the, the sun was out pretty late, but we, we went to bed as soon as the sun went down and. We were in our tents. We weren't in there for maybe ten minutes and I think Karen, you fell asleep pretty I passed quick, down, but, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, I was <laughs> I was lying there in my sleeping bag. And you know, in our two person tent, it's it's not very big. The the end wall of the tents, like right by my head, like two inches from my head, and I felt somebody on the outside of the tent pushing against my head. And it was clear this wasn't wind, it was Something was pushing against my head, and I thought maybe it was John or Lolly who, like, maybe gotten up and were going out to go to the bathroom or something. And I hollered to them, and they and I could tell by their answer that they were still in their tents. And so we were pretty sure that the goats were. Mm -hmm. As soon as we got in our tents, the goats were rummaging around
0: in in our circle, in our circle, Mm -hmm. and probably
1: licking our packs. But
0: I know sniffing around.
1: too tired to
0: oh yeah we didn't care at that away. point do whatever yeah. you want <laughs>
1: yeah yeah and the next morning was spectacular the sunrise there made bre- made coffee made breakfast packed up and before we left we kind of looked around found the other stone circles and I think we realized that we we had gotten the best one mm-hmm. with the best view but
0: yeah we did see one other really good one you know it was nice and flat and um so we went and we were standing in it <laughs> comparing notes with our campsite. And Lolly and I were saying, Well, this one's really good. Maybe, maybe we should have taken this one last night. And then Matt's looking around. I and looked he, to
1: the right and I realized <laughs> like it has a perfect view of the toilet. Right. Like just
0: the toilet's perched up on these rocks. Of course, nothing is covering the toilet. You're just sitting out in the open.
1: And I have to say, that from that vantage point, that is the probably the best looking view of any toilet I could ever imagine.
0: Yes, the yeah. best toilet view in the world. The yeah. Ranger was correct.
1: All right, this is the mailbag section. Here's one that we get nearly every day. Are we going to write another season of the Dear Bob and Sue series? (laughs) And the the answer to this question depends on what stage of writing we are in.
0: (laughs) Definitely. If we are in the
1: middle (laughs) of writing a book, the answer is we are never writing another book ever again and might not even finish the one we're writing right now. and this is a bad idea and we're never doing it again ever. And that lasts about what? 2 months.
0: Yeah, it takes us about 2 months to recover once we publish.
1: So the the rest mm-hmm. of the year it's mm-hmm. Yeah, if we keep if people keep asking for it and are interested in the next season, we'll do our best to keep writing. We can't we can't guarantee that forever, but
0: Right. And usually by the time the book is published, and we've written about all of our adventures the previous year. Usually by that point, we have a whole nother year of adventures. And we always feel like, gosh, it would be a shame to stop writing right now because we have all these stories, new stories of of places we've been and things we've done. So we always think, okay, we'll, we'll just write one more, just one more. And then, of course, by the time that's published, then we have another year. So I don't know if, I mean, I suppose at some point we'll stop, maybe when we're dead. But I love it, though, you know. Three days after Dear Bob and Sue season three was out, people were saying, "When is season four going to be Never. out?" And we're like, "We cannot <laughs> even think about that right now." <laughs>
1: no, writing's writing's too hard.
0: It is hard. It's really hard. But it's a we'll long keep, slog.
1: We'll keep writing as long as people ask for it. Here's another question: Why the heck did we decide to do a podcast?
0: Or if no, you—that's no, the question. <laughs> no, I'm that's, just going to say you're gonna ask, if See,
1: this is why. <laughs> People are now getting a better understanding of what I do. <laughs> no, with every day. No, I was just going to add that. That's the that, question. Why did we the, decide to do a podcast?
0: The more specific question coming from your mother and my mother is, what is a podcast?
1: <laughs> I, I like that your mother asked, does it does it cost anything?
0: And and my response was, yes. Yes, it does.
1: <laughs> it's $100 an episode. Uh,
0: send me the check. Well,
1: no, she has to send me the check. I will put it in her account <laughs> and make sure... And then she can go on to wherever she gets her podcast. But mm-hmm. she has to – every episode – well, actually, every time she listens. So if she listens to the episode twice, that's
0: – That's $200. Two $100 checks, yes. I'll let her know.
1: Yeah. I'm sure okay. the check is in the mail. So we didn't answer the question, okay. why, why, did we, why did we decide to do a podcast?
0: We decided to do a podcast because we felt like it was a quicker way to get some of our stories out – Than writing, which, as we said previously, is kind of a long slog from when we have soul sucking, it is soul sucking, and from when we actually have the experience to when it gets out in a book, is you know, it's at least a year. But when we do a podcast, we can sit down and talk about something that happened last week. So, I don't know, we thought it'd be a fun way just to talk about some of the adventures in our books and also some things that we haven't written about yet,
1: right? And it's a more immediate way. To connect with the audience. Writing, I just find, I feel it's harder to communicate in written form. Because people can't, they can't really get the tone of your voice. They don't know if you're being sarcastic or being serious.
0: You know, we have to specifically write down the dialogue that we had between the two of us. And and as opposed to just sitting here with a microphone. So for us, this is way Do you easier. you have a microphone? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay yeah got it
0: it's this is easy for us it's probably not really easy for our producer because he has to edit out a whole bunch of stuff and make us sound coherent but it's it's pretty easy for us
1: did the stuff in your books really happen did all the stuff in your books really happen yes they did
0: there's the answer every single one of them
1: well what i i do tell people like the dialogue is not it's not a transcript. It's it's not like we recorded our dialogue and, and then we're typing it. We, we clean it up. And, and sometimes...
0: Well, we have to. We, we have to
1: because... <laughs> we have yeah, to take
0: out the you swear words. We
1: <laughs> swear a lot. So I have to take all those out. And then we're also trying to make each of the emails in the books a certain length and kind of fit together... We don't want to overload like too many humorous things in one email, and then none in another. So sometimes we might have to take, for instance, a dialogue that happened on a different day and put it in a different email when when it didn't happen. But yeah, yeah. it's that this stuff is actually some. Ironically, some of the stuff that people think was made up is actually almost verbatim. We had an editor one time. She gave us this feedback. She said this is this scenario is is not believable. <laughs>
0: like <laughs> we, what we know. Happened exactly
1: <laughs> the way we wrote it. So
0: I will say though, I will say that sometimes Matt exaggerates a little bit. Oh Karen exaggerates they, all the time. No. What I'm still a little bit upset about is in the first book when we were in the Virgin Islands and our it was raining pretty much inside of our hotel room and everything it was, it was, was wet humid. all the time. And Matt started an email saying, Karen woke up with diaper rash. Yeah, okay. and you did. No, I did not have diaper rash. <laughs>
1: okay, so you had you had an itchy bottom.
0: <laughs> okay, is that even anybody's business? Yeah. That's the other thing is I feel like sometimes you write about stuff that is like a little bit too much information.
1: No, I thought that was pretty descriptive. <laughs> <laughs> it's healing. That's you what happens. See,
0: you should see the stuff that I edit out that Matt puts in there.
1: There are some times when uh-huh. the writing can it can get a little boring. Writing all day, every day for weeks on end. So I will put writing just to see if, just to test whether or not you're actually reading it <laughs> while you're editing.
0: The phrase. Matt, you cannot say that. I can is, hear. Happens a I lot. Could, in our I, house.
1: Could, I, <laughs> I will print it out. I will give it to her, and I could hear from three rooms away.
0: You I can could, hear the shriek. I
1: could, I could tell <laughs> if you've actually read it, and sometimes you don't. So yeah, the stuff that happened in our books actually happened. It's it's edited. It's cleaned up.
0: If you have a question for us, you can send us an email to matt and at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media. Go to facebook.com slash Dear or you can find us on Instagram at matt and Karen Smith. We'll review all the questions that come in and we'll be answering them in our mailbag segment on future episodes.
1: To see pictures of our trip to Sahali Glacier, go to www.thedearbobbinsoopodcast.com and click on the title for episode two. There you'll find the show notes for this episode and links to other information.
0: Matt and I would sure appreciate it if you left us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps more people find our show. You can also subscribe to the show on Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app.
1: The books that this podcast is based on are available on Amazon.com. Just search for Dear Bob and Sue. And you can also find more information related to our books by heading over to www www.dearbobandsue.com The best way to support us and the show is to buy our books and tell your friends about it.
0: Our show is produced by the amazing team at Puddle Creative in Portland, Oregon. Our artwork is by the designers at Expert Subjects, and our theme music is by Will West. From our Home Visitor Center in Seattle, Matt and I wish you happy trails.